Hey everyone, it's PJ here. Uh, what I would like to do throughout this week is take a little bit of time each day to walk through with you some of the passages that uh, remind us of the things that Jesus said and things that Jesus did and events that occurred uh, leading up to his death and his burial uh, and resurrection. And so this is what's uh, commonly called Holy Week. And uh, yesterday on Sunday, it's what's also commonly known as Palm Sunday, Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And we can mark this, these things um, on a calendar, just knowing when the Passover feast is and how the Bible says the next morning and the next day. Um, and so we're going to try to walk through some, some, not all, of the passages that indicate to us what happened on Monday and Tuesday and so on and so forth. So... Um, today is Monday, and uh, we can look at the Bible. We see that uh, the day after the triumphal entry, uh, when Jesus fulfilled that very symbolic prophetic passage in Zechariah 9.9 uh, about the king who will come, uh, come to Jerusalem with ri- uh, righteousness and salvation, he's going to come in humble and mounted on a donkey. And the people's expectations are high. They're on this very emotional high, thinking Jesus is going to come and basically liberate us from Caesar's reign. Now, how does this tension carry or this sort of excitement carry over into Monday? Well, on Monday, when Jesus had uh, went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there, that's uh, in Matthew 21 and verse 17, uh, it says immediately after that, in the morning, hence Monday, As he was returning to the city, he became hungry, and seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves. And he said to it, May no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. Now, what's really interesting is if you look at the Old Testament, Israel is often characterized as a fig tree. Uh, If you look at Jeremiah 8.13, here's what it says. When I will gather them, declares the Lord, there are no grapes on the vine, nor figs on the fig tree. Even the leaves are withered, and what I gave them has passed away from them. Uh, Hosea 9.10 Like grapes in the wilderness, I found Israel like the first fruit of the fig tree in its first season. I saw your fathers. Uh, Again, Joel 1.7 It has laid waste my vine and splintered my fig tree. It has stripped off their bark and thrown it down. Their branches are made white. Uh, So time and time again, uh, God had referred to Israel as this fig tree. uh, And a lot of times to uh, call his people back to him, uh, calling them to repentance. Because the... The withered fig tree and the fruitless fig tree, it symbolizes the judgment of God upon a nation that has all the outward appearance of life, but truly underneath fails to bear any fruit. Um, And so this is an interesting thing to say for Jesus. At this point in his life, in his ministry, people are extremely excited about Uh, anointing Jesus as king. But at the same time, Jesus is saying to them, I'm not the kind of king that that you're thinking I am. I'm a different kind of king, bringing about a different kind of kingdom. 
the way I'm going to rule is not by conquering Caesar, but by conquering your sins. But by calling you to repentance, I'm here to subdue not a physical empire, but a spiritual one where people will return to God through repentance and faith. And this is consistent with what he does next. What happens next is this very um, dynamic event uh, happening in the temple. Uh, Jesus goes and he, he cleanses the temple of all the, the money changers and the merchants who are there um, to sell animals uh, because people are there to, to present uh, unblemished animals for sacrifice. Um, and Jesus overturns all the tables and the chairs of the money changers. He throws out the merchants and all the customers and uh, refuses to, to let anyone uh, carry any goods or, or sell anything in there. And he says, uh, you've turned this house of prayer uh, into a den of thieves. Now that is, again, him referring back to the Old Testament uh, prophecies. Uh, Isaiah 56, 7 says, uh, These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. And, and Jesus is re using that very same language to say, uh, you're tainting, you're, you're desecrating the, the temple of God by making it about um, exchanging money and goods. And in Jeremiah 7, 11, it also says, Has this house which is called by my name become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, I myself have seen it, declares the Lord. Again, uh, the same language of you've, you've made a, a den of thieves, den of robbers. Uh, he's referring back to the same judgment uh, that we have been, or they have been hearing uh, in, from Jeremiah and Isaiah and other prophets. He's repeating that as if to say, here I am to fulfill them. Uh, here I am to really bring about that same pronouncement of judgment and that warning to tell you that you're not living out the true meaning of the temple, the true meaning of the sacrifice, the true meaning of the law. And that just infuriates the Jewish leaders. And they're set. They're set on putting Jesus to death. They're, they're absolutely determined that Jesus has got to die. Um, and again, not at all the, the people's expectations, but fulfilling what Jesus has been saying all along, that uh, chief priests, scribes, and the leaders of the Jewish people will uh, seek to kill him, and they will turn him over to, to, uh, to be crucified, and he will die, and he'll be buried, and on the third day, he'll rise again. Jesus is absolutely shaking things up uh, knowingly, uh, and it may have been confusing to the people. It may even have been confusing to his own disciples. But for Jesus, it was very clear. He was here to fulfill his mission, the mission that he and his father had agreed upon. He's here to bring about a spiritual kingdom, one where all of his people will enter through faith and repentance in the Son, the Son who's come to be the substitutionary Lamb of God, the once and for all sacrifice uh, that will take away the sins of his people and reconcile sinners to a holy and righteous God. That was his mission. That still remains his mission at the peak, at the height of his popularity. Uh, it is fair to say that th 
this is still him standing, withstanding the, the temptation uh, that was uh, uh, that came at him in the wilderness in the beginning of his earthly ministry when Satan tempted him with all the earthly glory that he can enjoy, all the fame and all the riches. Jesus is still resisting that now. Why? Uh, for the sake of his people, to be their faithful and merciful high priest. He is withstanding that temptation. He is resisting that temptation so that he can fulfill uh, the promise of God to dwell with his people forever. So let's first give thanks to God today uh, for just his faithfulness and his mercies towards us. And let's also respond to the same call to repentance and faith, uh, to put our trust in him, to be our sacrificial lamb to be the one who takes away our sins so that we would then start living a life not like the fig tree without fruit uh, but there's true fruitfulness within uh, because now we're no longer trying to seek to obey God out of fear out of a sense of self-righteousness but out of a response out of that gratitude for the salvation that he's given us and when temptations do come our way, let's remember the Lord who resisted all, all the temptations that you and I go through for our sake. And so we can go through the smaller temptations, the smaller trials, and the smaller sufferings for His sake as well. So let's give God today all of our glory and all of our praise. <laughs> 